The soul of summer in Columbus. The long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars. The just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers. Long live summer and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail, every minute of summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash liveforward. There's something scary hiding in the back of your closet. Your bathing suits and summer clothes, they you're pretty sure don't fit anymore. What if there was a way to get into summer shape in one visit? Here's Dr. Brian Strand for Sonabello to explain. It really is quite remarkable. Sonabello doctors use a technology called microlaser fat removal, and the results are amazing. We customize your procedure to accomplish your goals. Just share with us the problem areas where you'd like the fat in inches removed. And in one visit, they're gone. Permanently. I can't tell you how often I hear clients say how many years they've been trying to diet and exercise those inches away. And we did it in one comfortable visit. It's time to get your summer on. Visit any of our Sonabella locations across the U.S. And right now you can save $250. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. That's Sonobello.com slash save. Welcome back to the Razzball Prospects Podcast, powered by Prospect Live. This is your host, Ralph Lifshitz. We have a very special show today. I, of course, have Lance Brozdowski here with me. We also have one of our founders of Prospects Live, Jason Panini. He's out in the Arizona Fall League right now. He's taking in some instructs. He's taking in some AFL. We were supposed to record this actually on uh, Thursday evening, but we're unable to because he was there for the epic Salt River Scottsdale Extra Inning Showdown. JP, welcome to the show, my man. How are you? Doing well. I'm uh I'm I'm grinding out here. I'm a little tired. Did doubled up the last three days on games, so between instructs and AFL. So uh I'm never gonna complain about a lot of baseball, but it does wear on you a little bit. Yeah, I don't feel bad for you at all. Lance, do you feel bad for our <laughs> whiny JP as he takes in all this beautiful baseball? In Prospect Mecca. I would only feel bad if you're like really sunburned, JP. I don't know how the, <laughs> how the skin's working right now. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm a quarter Irish, so yeah. I mean, I burn <laughs> pretty easy. <laughs> That's not good. I feel bad. <laughs> we know. We're all, we're all New England boys on here with light skin, so we all, we all burn. So Arizona would not necessarily be friendly to our skin. But that said, we have a lot to talk about this week. Um, 
obviously you've, you've taken in quite a few players out there. Um, right off the bat, who's the big, the player number one, who's the guy that stuck out to you the most in terms of his performance, maybe shocked you just, who's the guy that you're like jaw dropping on the floor. This guy is amazing. Yeah. One guy is, uh, Andres Jimenez, the, uh, shortstop prospect for the Mets and, he homered on Wednesday in Mesa, just showed really impressive hands, really impressive bat speed. He got a, I think it was either a changeup or a slider. It was just this kind of flat pitch uh, off the hand of uh, Stinkowitz and um, crushed it to right field. And I had never seen Jimenez in a game before. I know Jason Waddell is very big on him and um, has written glowing reports about him, but seeing him in game, I came away really impressed, loved his hands just as much as, um, as other people who I'd read. And, uh, he also was very fast. I think I had him four Oh four down the line and, uh, good runner looks a little raw at times at the plate in terms of, uh, I think, I think these polished AFL pitchers might have their way with him, uh, with sequencing and, uh, getting him off guard with breaking stuff. But in terms of raw skills, I really like him. And um, I think he could be a, a guy that is a high riser. Yeah, absolutely. He's obviously a guy that we've been really, really high on. We've been singing his praises now. And Jason's kind of been beating the drum that there's more power there than maybe some of the grades we've seen. I mean, you've seen power grades in this guy as low as 40. Um, just off the top of your head, where would you sort of slap the... Uh, the future power grade on Jimenez, if I could put you on the spot. Yeah, I, th- I think it might be 55 or even 60 <laughs> if you if you want to wow. get frisky. Um, and it's it's <laughs> very much just from his hands. Um, and I, I love guys that can generate power with hands and bat speed because uh, oftentimes those are those are the guys who are able to hit home runs without sacrificing contact and um, without exposing themselves to swing and miss. That's yeah, no, um, stuff. yeah, I uh, totally agree. Yeah, that's, that's 55 to six. That's a hot take. We're going to end up in Keith Law's mentions again, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I like that. Actually, maybe I do. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a shameless self-promoter. Um, other guy I wanted to ask you about off the top here and Lance, feel free to jump yeah, in if there's course. anybody else. I'm going to, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, uh, Whitley. So you got, did you get the sea forest Whitley in the flesh, in the Ooh. flesh, you were there for that big performance. Now, what was it? How many strikeouts was it in a row, Lance? Was it seven? I thought eight? it was three, eight in the first three innings. I didn't know how many consecutively, though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was eight in the first three innings. So it was pretty much everybody but one yeah. guy. Yeah. That's right. And I forget who who the heck was it that uh, they get on base against them? Early, uh, whatever. Was it, guys, was it Daz right? Cameron? It may have been Daz was it Cameron. Daz? Daz, um, yeah. Daz was the one that I think ended up. Uh, I got the box score. Let me get, check. Getting a hit or something off of him first. Yeah, top he struck of the out first at that. Yeah. And then he yeah, walked Jemai Jones and, and walked Bobby Dalbeck. That was a really um that was a really great piece of hitting by Cameron in that at bat. He he took a curveball down and away and just um kind of went with it and took it back up the middle. He didn't try to do too much. It was a pretty impressive piece of hitting. Yeah, he I like him a lot. He he uh He's a good all-around player. He's a good fielder. I feel like he's got a decent approach to the plate. He'll get a little aggressive. He's got some bat speed. 
But um, like you said, I, I saw him. Uh, I saw him go the other way with a double deep in uh, New Hampshire. I took him in for a, a double header uh, back in July, and I, I came away impressed. I liked Daz Cameron a lot. Um, I wanted to ask though on the Whitley one, how much of those numbers with the with the strikeouts? How much of that was the fact that it was a lineup that had guys like Bobby Dahlback and Josh Ockamy <laughs> and some other very very uh, swing and miss prone type hitters in it or, or was it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, (laughs) facing guys like that doesn't hurt, but Whitley's stuff is also crazy impressive. And I think it's the depth of his arsenal that, um, that really impressed me. I mean, he has, I think five pitches that could play to major league average or better, you know, fastball was 94 to 96 touch 97. And, um, then he also mixed in, uh, curveball slider change and cutter and i was just kind of looking through my notes and trying to figure out how do i even rank all these pitches relative to each other i think um at least um at least that night his changeup was probably the best out of the secondary offerings and um just in general um you don't see guys that have that many pitches and ways to attack different sided hitters. Um, the curveball had pretty good 11 to five shape and big depth. Um, for, for the slider, I wrote that it was uh, mostly vertical and that was in the mid eighties. Yeah. And, um, Whitley just, he does a lot and his, his coordination is very impressive for his size. He, uh, he doesn't look awkward. Like some, some guys who are his height, um, just are long limbed and have trouble with their coordination. That's not an issue for Whitley. Um, there are a couple like little things that I picked up on with his delivery. Like he does finish pretty tall. Um, and I think that eats into his extension a little bit. And, uh, he's able to really amp up the velo with in, um, two strike counts. Like you'll see him reach back for a little more and, um, mm. attack with two strikes. And those were, those were the situations he was reserving the 97 mile an hour heat for. Yeah. And, and one of the things I want to talk to you about very briefly on this JP, you mentioned the lack, lack kind of like of extension because of how tall he finishes. Um, I was interested in how much of that fourth inning, I don't know if you want to call it a collapse, but kind of a deterioration, I guess, coming through the lineup a second time. How much of that do you think is mechanical for him and how much of it do you think you know he's going to be able to fix long term because obviously he has the pitches to get through guys if he's turning the lineup over three four times but i'm a little bit worried about how consistent you know what's like the peak consistency of his mechanics do you think yeah um he did lose his mechanics a little bit there but i i think through he's such a good athlete um i think through time and reps that it'll get better um as he gets a little older and it's it's not something that I'm uh, red flagging as something I'm really worried about uh, long term. I I just you always hear people say this gamble on the athlete, and mm-hmm. I think he has the athleticism to iron out the kinks and um, be more consistent with with his delivery going forward. I like it. That's awesome, man. Um, Ralph, do we want to get into? How about Taylor Trammell? We're gonna stick on this Tuesday game you were at. This was the Scottsdale. Mesa Solar Sox game. Mesa won four to three. This was on Tuesday, October 9th, I believe. Yes, October 9th. Taylor Trammell, another kind of five tooly outfielder for the Reds. JP, it looks like you got to look at him. What were your thoughts? Yeah, first of all, like 
I'd never seen this or no, I had seen him in person in Instructs game, but um so he's just physically and he's a physical specimen. Um I guess I'd probably just to give people a mental image if you haven't seen him, he probably has like a wide receiver body type and um he's not thin, but he's um I guess lithe and strong and insanely fast. I had him a couple run times on him. I had him three, nine, eight and four Oh four down the line from the left. So, um, he's pretty comfortably a 70 runner and even pushing, pushing 80. Um, and at the plate, um, I thought he, uh, starts with this closed stance and doesn't use his lower half a ton, but his hands are, are really great at the plate. And, um, there was one thing that stood out to me. He was able to wait back on um, changeups down and away and just shoot them the other to the opposite field. And um, that's just something you love to see. And um, guys who use the whole field are going to be harder to attack for pitchers. So um, I don't know what his spray charts look like or anything like that, but uh, seeing Tramel just wait back on it and um, uses elite hands to his advantage going the other way was uh, something that I love to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really interesting. Um, how about some Wednesday action now? You saw the s- uh, same teams, right? Just flipping parks, it looks like. Scottsdale went into Mesa and beat them 10-3. to In this game, you saw the Jimenez home run that you were kind of talking about in terms of what you yeah. projected out to be have his power. But you also saw Peter Alonzo. So giving the Mets some love here, what were your thoughts on Alonzo? Yeah, I, I really liked Alonzo. He uh, kind of starts with his hands close to his body. I thought um, I thought the hands were quiet um, pre-slot, meaning there just isn't a lot of movement um, with his hands. And that's something that it's not necessarily a prerequisite for hitters to have, but I think it's something that is a preferred quality. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll write in my notes, quiet hands and that's what I'm referring to when I say quiet hands. There's just not a lot of uh, pre pre swing or pre slot movement with the hands. And this guy is just strong as hell. I thought he had uh, in general, a good pitch recognition and he took a 92 mile hour, 92 mile per hour fastball middle in and just crushed it to uh, left wow. field. It, uh, it, it got like lodged into the berm and left, which is <laughs> something I hadn't seen before. I'm like, damn, oh, is, yeah. is he that strong? I don't know. Um, but uh, he gets under it too. I mean, he gets crazy launch on his. Yeah. Uh, his I mean, I had never seen him, but in the futures game, he had that infamous. Yeah. What was the launch angle on that? 40 degrees or something. He, yeah. It was something. It was, was yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, so yeah, Alonzo came away. I was impressed with him and, uh, he also made a really nice diving play. I I think it was to his right. Um, and he looked pretty solid defensively at first. I had someone, um, messaged me on Twitter and said that there were concerns over his defense, which I was surprised by. I thought he looked, I thought he looked solid and, and good at, at first. So, uh, maybe that was just a Mets GM speak type thing where, you know, as an excuse to keep him down for service time manipulation, you know, it, that's it's why been, it's been a narrative for a while with Alonzo. I think and, I bought into I, it too. Yeah. And I, but here's the thing, like, let's, let's be honest. We're all here on the podcast. How much does first base defense really matter? Like Everyone's you would have to be an absolute butcher, especially if you're like six foot three, six foot four, if you're over six feet 
and big body, you should be able to play first base if you have a basic like like hand eye coordination. Like it, I understand people have to learn it, but I don't know. Like I always feel like that's it, even if a guy is really good at first base. I think at times it gets it gets really it's just overhyped. It's not like other positions in the field, you know. Yeah, such a small part of the profile, especially at first. Yeah. So, I True. but for what it's worth, I thought he looked fine there, and uh, no concerns, Met fans. <laughs> nice. I like that. I like I like hearing that. I want to I want to back up a little bit to another guy that's on Mesa. We didn't mention a guy that I, I've. I haven't gotten any looks on yet. I should next year. I'm, I'm assuming he'll be assigned to Portland. He spent most of the year in Salem. That is uh, OG Bobby Dahlback, second rounder out of uh, Arizona from a few years back. Had a really rough, disjointed, injury-riddled 2017. Rebounded big in 2018. I think he set the homer record for the Salem Sox uh, down in the Carolina League before he was promoted. Had a good month or so where he tagged up, uh, teamed up with Chavez. He's back in Arizona with Chavez. He's kind of your true three outcome guy. I've always thought the the defense profile pretty well. He's got a really strong arm. He's a two way guy at Arizona. What were your thoughts and impressions with Dahlbeck? I know he was rough early. Yeah, I mean, uh, I liked him. He's this this guy. My Boston's going to come out here. He swings the bat wicked hard, and um, <laughs> <Not good>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, swings the bat wicked hard. Uh, I think he has pretty good feel for the zone and uh, plate discipline. And like you said, those three true outcomes, I've only seen him a couple times um, out here, but it was evident that he was striking out a lot, um, seemed to not chase. He's not striking out on, uh, he's not expanding the zone in his strikeouts. I mean, he's just swinging for the fences and missing on um, pitches in the zone. Mm-hmm. And I did like him at third. I thought he um, he moves pretty pretty well for his size at third and has a laser for an arm. It's at least a 60, maybe a 70. Um, but I, I did like him overall. Um, despite the strikeouts, it's, uh, I think strikeouts is something you can live with in, uh, today's MLB. And if he's making enough contact to hit over the fence power, which seems like there's a good chance he will. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him a little more before saying that definitively, but I liked what I saw out of these first few looks. I think he is going to, he's going to have high BABIPs and um, just crush any, any balls put in play are going to be crushed. Yeah. I, the other guy I wanted to ask about on Mesa, um, that was good stuff on Dahlback, is Shed Long. It's a guy that I know um, one of your friends is actually the person that sort of tipped me off onto this guy years ago. And I'll give him credit for being probably the leader of the shed long hype train. And that's Eric Longenhagen. And I like long cause he's one of these guys and I te- tend to lean this way. He's a, some of his all part, all some of the parts guy where like everything across the board is, is pretty good. I don't think there's anything that stands out and he seems like he's got good baseball instincts. I know he's a converted catcher. Um, so I don't know if that's part of it, but what were your, what were your thoughts on long? Was he impressive or is he a utility guy? Yeah, he was impressive. Um, yeah, you mentioned these good baseball instincts. There was actually a play the other day. He took a ground ball at second and um, had an opportunity to either take an easy out at first or try to go to second with it. And um, it was going to be a bang-bang play at second. And um, he he opted to be aggressive, go to second base with it, and... Um, you know, knock out the lead runner, but it just shows like 
he had a good feel for the timing of the play, and he just struck me as a high baseball IQ type of guy um, from that split second decision that he had to make. And um, I like I like Long. I uh, saw him a little bit during spring training, and uh, there's some bat speed here. He uh, swings the bat pretty hard. He does this little kind of twist of his front leg and hip back, mm. and has a fairly high leg or decent sized leg kick. Um, but, uh, he does a little everything. He he has more power than you might think from his size. And, um, I think he swings the bat, swings the bat well. And also, uh, he's not, he's not a plus runner, but he's probably a 55 run. So like you said, does a little everything and, uh, interesting guy. If there's room left on the bandwagon, uh, I'd like to get on. The soul of summer in Columbus, the long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars, the just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers. Long live summer and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail every minute of summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash live forward. White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider. Inspired by how we made them 100 years ago, with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> uh, JP, and last get in the game, shed <laughs> on Thursday's game, October 11th. Here, you saw Salt River Raptors and Scottsdale. Uh, Raptors won seven six. That's rough, I believe. Alluded to earlier in eleven innings, but you saw some pretty interesting guys in this game. I think the one that is probably rated right around highest next to Tremel was Carter Keboom. Um, played yeah. second base. He went two for six. Struck out twice. Looks like he stranded some runners. Um, I almost want more. I guess we'll start with on him specifically, JP. Do you think that he's a long-term shortstop? So he looked he looked just comfortable over at second. I don't know if the range is there for short. Um, and I'm not sure what the industry consensus is um, among, among our peers and um, whether or not they think he's going to stick at short. But from that look to me, I, I saw a guy who looks like a second baseman and um, – I don't know that I have a ton more to add. It's just that was just my first impression off seeing him last night. And then how about the raw pop? Did it stand out as much as I believe it stood out to other people? Um, to be honest, I, I want to see a little more of him before I uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, see him in BP and things like that. I um, I don't have a good feel for it yet. That's no problem. No, that's no problem. Yeah. I just know that he was a guy I always thought could hit for maybe plus power at short, which is always such a tantalizing option. But plus power at second base is something that we've seen a bit in some guys that have come up. And I don't think there's any problem with that at all if you can get to that. So we'll have to, we'll have to check back in with you there. Um, I believe earlier, before the show started recording, Ralph and JP were talking about J.B. Bukowskis, who pitched last night for Scottsdale. Um, give us kind of the rundown on him, JP. Do you see him more maybe as like a two to three inning reliever, or do you think he could actually stick as a starter? Yeah, I for me, I think I think he there's a decent chance he ends up in this Josh Hader type role. And um, 
this is a guy with a really explosive electric arm and he has a short arm action kind of shot puts the ball and I think it's really tough to see the ball out of his hand. Like there's some serious deception here and the fastball has a lot of life to it. It it runs up to, I had him touching 98 miles an hour last night, but, um, he was pretty comfortably 94 to 97. And, um, it basically, um, it, it runs with, uh, some life to the arm side, but, uh, he's a really good athlete comes to home and attacks hitters. And the other thing is this just nasty slider. I, I wrote in my notes that his slider teleports and like it, <laughs> it just has, it, it just has this insane, um, late break and late break and tilt to it. Um, he really has good feel for it. He can use it to both sides of the plate. And, um, then Another thing I wanted to talk about was this changeup that he has, which is last night it was uh, high 80s, low 90s. It doesn't have a ton of depth to it, but I thought this pitch played really well off of his fastball. And um, this this goes to uh, kind of a more scouting conversation where um, I think there's a tendency to try to judge pitches based off how much they're moving. And I don't know if that's always necessarily the right approach. I think you should judge a pitch based off its effectiveness and its utility. So I think if you were to look at this Bukowskis changeup in a vacuum, just at its movement, um, you're not going to really get uh, an accurate feel for how effective the pitch is. I think movement-wise, it didn't it didn't look special to me. But when you look at the swing and miss and how effective it played, how effectively it played off the fastball. Um, I thought it played to above average and maybe even plus. So, you know, if you're looking at a guy with potentially two seventies and a 60, like that's a really special player. And, um, yeah, just the, the arm speed is super elite. Um, there were a couple times where I saw him falling off to the first base side. Um, and, maybe not repeating his delivery, but this is a guy that is special. And even if he is, um, a bullpen guy long-term, there's huge value in that in today's game. And I, I really love the arm. Seems like the Astros have a, a plethora of these minor league pitchers between Bukowskis and Whitley, Ralph. <laughs> I mean, plethora. Uh, I love it. <laughs> Do you know what a plethora is? Uh, anyway, sorry. Every time I hear that word, I just think about the three amigos. Um, and I think it's kind of an interesting point you brought up there at the end. If we can hijack this for a second, yeah. maybe go into a little bit of a tangent in this conversation, just from to pick JP's mind. People don't know JP, you know, was working for the Brewers in the off season or during the season, doing some um, some scouting on independent ball. So um, he's somebody whose opinion I really, really respect. And I'm he's a great grasp and understanding, I think, of, at least better than us laymen of how organizations may view players. So um, one of the things I'm kind of interested in is, is it actually better to potentially have that risk reward, maybe at least with the old school mentality, risk reward profile of like, maybe you could be a mid rotation guy or you could be a bullpen ace. I mean, wouldn't you rather have a guy at this point that could potentially be a bullpen ace than a number three starter? Like, like isn't um, just throw names out there. Hater, or somebody of that ilk, isn't that guy 
more important to your team than Eduardo Rodriguez, even if Rodriguez pitches more innings because of how effective that guy can be in really important situations and winning situations that are different between W's and L's. Are we at the point that if you're not an ace, sometimes if you could be a really, really good reliever, that's almost more valuable from a real life standpoint. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up because I think if there's a pitcher who like profiles as a maybe three to a five starter, but has like, if he doesn't, if he's not a starter, doesn't have a future in the pen, then that guy's value drops off immensely. And if he's just an up and down triple A to majors guy, um, then that's a guy who just the value is going to be a lot more volatile than someone like Bukowskis. So that's, yeah, that definitely, I think that's something that um, all front offices should consider and they, most of them probably do. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that Lance? Cause I think that maybe because it's a fantasy thing for a lot of people with prospects, but there's this stigma with the bullpen thing. And I just don't know if it necessarily is that bad, really. If yeah. you're a fan of the team, I, I, think, I mean, I wish there were three bullpen prospects in the Red Sox system I, this July. Like if they had aces that could come up and pitch like the Braves kind of had, you know, for a few innings like that, mm-hmm. that would have been a, a huge difference maker. I mean, maybe Ty Butry is one of those guys, but I'm going to off on a tangent. Lance, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm, I'm very torn. I've heard, I think, decent arguments on both sides. I think it's one of those things where. The data, from what I understand, lags a little bit behind in valuing relievers still. And I think that's one of the bigger things that causes a lot of misperception, especially if you go on Twitter and stuff like that, and trying to value bullpen arms, especially guys like this year. I mean, obviously, you see Blake Trine and you see Edwin Diaz, like two guys who just dominated in war and all these other statistics as well. But then once you get out of that tier, like even a guy like Josh Hader I was looking at, based on like Fangraphs war and stuff like that, he actually produced similar value to a guy like Jose Leclerc from the Rangers, which if you ask me that mid-season, I'm Le- like, wait. Leclerc how? was great, though. Yeah, yeah he was, and again, great. That's, probably, that's probably more just underrating him and overrating Hayter a little bit. But but Hayter threw about 81 innings, and I think he only ended up like a two, two-and-a-half war guy. It's, it's tough. It's tough for me to understand because I know that there's an intangible value of having a guy who can eat 200 innings, even though we're probably not yeah. really seeing that much anymore at all. We're probably, I mean, it's going to go from a 200-inning eating inning eater to a guy who's eating like, 140 maybe now you know i'd like to see a guy who's 140 with a 380 era i think that's that's probably above average so even like a four yeah. four two era is like a guy that's an average pitcher so i think there's still value in that i just it's i struggle with how to quantify that i think and i tend to revert to numbers in a lot of situations and i, I struggle with that i struggle with how to quantify a guy who's average over a longer period of time than a guy who's uh exceptional as a reliever over a shorter period of time i think that you kind of have to it's, – it's a little apples to oranges. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, I would love guys like Bukowskis. I think Bukowskis is one of those guys, if, you, if JP's telling us that he has this good of a changeup, that you have a very, very interesting prospect. Because I think that if the Astros really value him as a starter, it seems like he'd be able to get left-handed hitters out enough to maybe project him out as such. And if they fail to do that, then he could still kind of use that changeup at a really low interval in the pen and just dominate fastball slider two, three innings at a time. Doesn't have to turn over a yeah. more than twice. So – that is the kind of guy that I'm most interested in. I think it gets a little bit grayer when you're looking at a guy with simply two pitches. Like a guy, maybe like a, like a Trinan probably isn't a good example because those, both those pitches are 70. He's like his sinker and his, his slider. But, uh, but I'm, I'm sure there's other out, guys out there with just poor change-ups who you kind of look at and go, well, there's two pitches there. Let's see if you, you know, do you want to turn him into the Bukowski style where you wait for that third pitch and it comes along, as JP saying with the change-up? Or 
you kind of just wait in between. So J.P. Bukowskis is a little yeah. bit of an exception for me, but I, I don't, I'm, I'm, it's tough. It's tough. I think it's very tough. I think these firemen type relievers are going to be a little underrated. Like until war starts to take into account the leverage or the situations yes, yes. they're coming in. I mean, they're, they're never going to get their due un, until that happens. I agree with you. Yeah. That's another part of it too. Cause I mean, the guy with the highest leverage index isn't always the one with the highest war, you know? So it's like, would you rather have, you know, one of those guys yeah. who's really good late or just a guy who's aggregating a lot of innings, but you know, isn't pitching in big spots. And then, then it goes back to the whole side of like, the intangible psychological stuff of like, I don't want to get to the major leagues here, but Craig Kimbrell in non-safe <laughs> situations, you know, those stats are yeah. always so funny to me. It's like, maybe there is something with it, you know, with a guy's routine. I don't know, you know, getting into kind of, some I of feel like wishy-washy stuff here, but well, Craig yeah. Kimbrell hates a clean inning. Like Craig, <laughs> Craig Kimbrell likes to like get everybody a little bit nervous. It's what uh, Alex Ferguson, the coach of Manchester United for like a million decades used to call tight bum time. And uh, he, he <laughs> likes tight bum time. He likes, he likes when his when his butt gets a little bit tight, you know, and he's he's got to start jamming in fastballs. He did it the other night. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I think I think they went back and they were looking at it. I, I think he's only had like two cleanings since like June first. Wow. He just always he just always allows at least one base runner because he's so nasty. But he's a different story. But uh, if you don't mind, JP, can we uh, pick your brain a little bit about some of the rando guys that uh, you might have saw last night uh, on that Thursday uh, barn burner? How many innings did that go? Was it eleven or twelve? Uh, 11, I believe I'm, I'm a little delirious, but yeah, I think it was 11. <laughs> That's interesting too. Before we get into the, some of the other guys I want to ask you about, I wanted to ask you because you actually got to see this, 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 uh, crazy cuckoo bananas idea in actual, um, function last night with the extra innings game. That was the runner, the infamous runner on second base. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I was watching on the app now, you can't get any actual streams. So you just get Which like the, the. Yeah, like the game day app, like you would get on MLB. Um, same deal. So you could like see what's getting thrown. You could see kind of what happens, but not a lot of context. I like I I noticed like, it seemed like all those guys are getting tagged out. <laughs> like it didn't seem like any of them got into any situations they could actually score that rudder until obviously a few innings in. But um, none of us like it. But what was it like yeah, to see I, see that abomination in, per- in person? It's, it's never fun. I, I hate whenever it happens and it, it, it makes me want to just stand up and leave, to be honest. <laughs> Did they but. just bunt the guy to third? Like, cause that's what I saw in double A that one time I caught it, I think out in Hartford this year. I think I saw one, one game in Winston Salem this year. I may have seen a, what did I see? No, it was, no, I, I, never mind. I'm uh, just babbling. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> <laughs> what do you well, say we dig into, or do you still want to talk about this ref? Or do you want to go to instructs? No, no, no. I, I actually, before we do that, I wanted yeah. to just jump through a couple of other guys oh, that are sure. in yeah, this I, salt I, river lineup. Yeah, Cause it. I think I, he's, he's talked about Scottsdale. We, you know, obviously that's the, that's the home base right now. So you're getting all the good pitching and we talked about all those guys, the Mets hitters, everybody else. I wanted to ask you about a few of these guys on salt river. One in particular was what were your impressions of Dalton Varshaw on both sides of the ball already. He's a guy that I'm really intrigued in from a fantasy standpoint because he's so athletic. He has that catcher eligibility. But I've long sort of stumped that this is a guy that because the bat and the skills are so good, I don't care if he got moved to the outfield, honestly, because I think he yeah. could, I think he's that much of an impact player. Am I wrong? Am I crazy? What were your thoughts just witnessing last night? So, yeah, his athleticism was pretty impressive for a catcher. I thought it, it was definitely above average relative to his catching peers. Um 
I did have him four three two down the line, which decent decent run time for a catcher. Um, and then he he was also the lead man on a double steal. So I I definitely like the athleticism. Um, I'd like to see him a little bit more before I'm gonna just slap a you know definitely stick at catcher label on him. But first impression was good, and um, I I'd also like to see him a little more with the bat before I. Uh, throw any grand grand proclamations Ah. on him but um he's a guy that's interesting and um definitely moves well for the position named after darren dalton his father's teammate with the phillies kind of interesting so there you go he was destined to be a catcher mobile catchers are good (laughs) (laughs) other guys i wanted to ask you about kind of the middle of the lineup here were uh three in particular the Rayleigh, luke Rayleigh, who uh i think went to minnesota um uh, from the Dodgers organization, kind of a jacked up first base only type, I believe. Um, Tyler Nevin, who's obviously Phil Nevin's son. And then Pavin Smith, who drafted highly, really hyped up, hasn't necessarily produced the level that we expected. Those three guys really quickly, kind of what were your impressions of those guys? Did they stick out at all? Um, I mean, it was only a one game sample, but uh, yeah, I I don't have a ton to say about any of these guys. I uh, I think Paven Smith's a guy that I need to really keep my eye on and um, just see what he does throughout the fall league. He seems like someone whose stock is a little depressed right now, and I'm not sure if it's depressed right, rightfully so or if um, maybe this is a good buy-low opportunity for him in, in fantasy. Um, uh, for Rayleigh and Nevin, I... Uh, yeah, sorry. I just just off my looks from last night, I I don't have a, a lot to talk about with those guys. No, that's yeah, fine. that's fine too. Yeah, because I, I I think they were just some random guys that you know for fantasy they're kind of interesting. They kind of reach that first base profile. They can hit a little bit. You know, we'll see what they actually do. But yeah, if you want to jump into Instructs now, I know we got some very interesting names yes. that he got to witness in Instructs. Some Rangers boys, uh, Reds. Uh, teasing a little bit here and then of course uh some of, some of my favorites from arizona some of the guys that i was catching uh heavily with um uh in uh, uh northwest league which was kind of an interesting uh bunch of games i was consistently catching at the end of the season so yeah well, lance yeah take it away uh, let's do it yeah start with cole win here because i've seen some video and i really really like the delivery from what i've seen in terms of how active he is how well he extends his arm speed looks pretty good but i always i always hesitate to kind of jump on guys like this especially just because i'm watching a grainy youtube video but the structure <laughs> of his delivery seemed pretty good and i, I want to hear your thoughts about how he looked in person is this does he have the potential to be one of the best arms from the draft do you think yeah i think so i think the rangers were justified in where they took him and I agree with you. The deliver the delivery is very refined and polished for his age. Um, I think the balance is very good. When I look at his head, there's not for some guys you see that head whack when they get to foot strike. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen at all with Cole Wynn. And uh, it's a very it's an athletic delivery. He maintains his balance, but also has pretty good momentum to the plate. And I just don't see uh, really any wasted effort in the delivery. So. Um, the mechanics are really clean, and that's one big check in uh, Cole Wynn's column. Uh, in terms of the stuff, I really liked his uh, pitch mix. So he has a fastball. It was 91 to 94 in my look, and 
it would kind of cut at the lower end of that band. And I don't know if that was deliberate or if that was just sort of a natural cut that um, happened just due to his arm action. But it was a good pitch. Um, along with that, he also had a, a curveball in the low, uh, mid to high 70s, which pretty pretty sharp, tight spin in 11 to 5 shape. And uh, I also liked his uh, slider, and he seemed to maintain his arm sp- or I'm sorry, his changeup. He uh, seemed to maintain his arm speed pretty well uh, when he threw the change. But um, this is a guy that I really like. I, I definitely agree the delivery is uh, just very polished and refined. And this is a guy that I, I think projects to be a starting pitcher down the line. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I think that'd be a big, big get for the Rangers system. Honestly, in terms of some of those athletes they have, they seem to be going with that. I know that when we were talking about that Don Wilkie Classic Ralph back out in Petco, we were talking about both yeah. Thompson and Tavares and those other guys who are just kind of tooled up. But to add in a potential for a pitcher that maybe can end up being a mid rotation arm is huge. Mm. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to definitely keep my eye on Cole Wynn. Uh, Jonathan India is a guy I actually saw in Dayton JP, and I liked him a bit. Um, I don't think he played too, too well to finish out the season in the Midwest League. Um, I believe he was hurt, if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong on that. Um, but regardless of that, um, what were your thoughts on it? I know it's a really compact swing. It's a little bit of a polished college back coming from Florida. I like the pop that I saw. I like the gap to gap, and I thought he made some hard contact. Do you confirm or deny any of that? <laughs> yeah, the swing's really nice. Um, he's very short to the ball and great hands and great bat speed. So uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think relative to relative to guys I've seen this fall. He's right up there with the Wander the Wander Franco, not not Wander Javier. Um, eyes. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of a dynasty draft, and he's still sitting there. It's a startup dynasty draft. It's a 30 team. It's 50 rounds, and uh, I may take him with my next pick. So I don't. I don't want to tell you, but my team is going to be born. Any so, listener, who anyway, see that, Ralph's eyes yeah. right there would have died. Like, oh my god! When he fun. said when he said that, I was just like, yeah, baby, I'm keeping John. I'm keeping India too. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, the the hands are just special, and like I agree with um, your assessment, Lance, that he's he's very short to the ball. So I don't see I see a lot of contact probably, and not a lot of strikeouts, and um, that's something you love as a fantasy value. Where did you see him play defensively in instructs, taking reps and stuff? Do you remember? Um, so I think he was actually DHing that day. Oh, dang. Um, okay. Yeah. I saw him at short, and I, it was one of those weird games where. Uh, I think uh, Jeter Downs was hurt when I saw them, so they moved India to short. It was like right after he got called to Dayton. And I don't think he got any plays, actually. I think he might have turned one double play, but it was an easy one. And like I, I know that he's one of those guys who I believe was drafted as the third baseman, but he's played some short, and I'm sure at some point he could go to second, but that'd be kind of a waste of the arm. So like the, the fact that he might be able to stick on the left side is also intriguing to me if, if, we're, if we're praising the bat this much, which it seems like we are. Um, but I wish he kind of got yeah. him defensively. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was some like funky stuff going on in some of these instructs games. Like, for example, I saw um, the Dodgers are playing the Reds, and um, their third baseman, this guy named Lau, um, I forgot his first name. Um, so he was he was playing over at third, but also wasn't in their lineup. So I thought, like, oh, that's super <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so like, yeah, these are really just straight scrimmages, and you know, innings will get rolled and. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone really cares about yeah, the outcomes sure. of the games. I mean, this is purely for development purposes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense then. Um, 
And then yeah. you also mentioned pre-show JP that there's a trio of Diamondbacks guys that you seem to be a little bit intrigued by. Christian Robinson is a guy that you uh, seem to praise a lot. Alec Thomas, I know, is one that Ralph's going to want to hear thoughts on, and Blaze Alexander as well. So mm-hmm. let's start with Christian Robinson. Do you think this is a guy that could hop in, you know, and end up being one of the premier power power bats, um, say in the next couple of years? I really do. I, I have some awesome video of him hitting a massive home run that it, it's not live yet on the internet, but it will be soon. And this kid is strong as hell. I, I mean, it, I can't even believe he's still 17. The, the body is huge and it's only going to get bigger. I mean, this guy's thighs are massive. Um, he starts with this kind of open base stance, slightly open and, uh, with his hands up near his head and doesn't use a ton of lower body, but he doesn't need to because his, he's just in immensely strong. And, um, you know, one other thing I noticed was I saw him during, uh, outfield drills one morning and the arm wasn't, I didn't think his outfield arm was great. Um, so maybe this is a guy that is going to be a left fielder down the line, but, um, in terms of just his body and, um, the projection with the power, this is a guy that could be a could be a seventy raw power guy. He probably already is a seventy raw, maybe future eighty raw. I love that. That's great to hear. And Alec Thomas is a guy who uh, I believe was selected, and and Ralph's kind of buzzing about um, selecting. Yeah, second round guy. Second round guy. There we go in the twenty eighteen draft. And Ralph's been buzzing about him as being probably one of the steals of the second round at the moment. Um, I believe he is a lefty bat with a relatively smooth swing, uh, a little bit of speed, a little mm-hmm. bit of everything. What stood out to you, JP? Yeah, this this kid's a good athlete. I mean, he's not size-wise, he's not huge, but he's not he's not small and um, weak. He's he's actually pretty built um, for his size, and I think it's functional strength. It's it's the good kind of strength. Like this kid's baseball strong. He has good wrists and um, good flexibility. And uh, you know, when I look at his swing, yeah, you're right. This is a really smooth, fluid swing. I think he uses his lower half well, and I loved how his like hips were. His hips kind of uncork um, just at the right time as he gets his bat through the zone, and um, it's one of those really like smooth, aesthetically pleasing swings. Defensively, pretty good range in uh, center, and he looks like a guy that has a good shot to stick in center field, makes some pretty good uh, reads off the bat, and. He's not a plus runner. Like I, I've had uh, like 55 run times on him, but I think I think his speed plays up a little bit just um, due to like aggressiveness on the base path. Base, yeah, stumbling <laughs> over my words. Just uh, aggressiveness on the bases, and um, I, I came away very impressed with Alec Thomas. Nice. Yeah, and I was gonna oh, I was gonna oh. say the thing that was interesting about. Uh, what you said about functional strength. Do you know what his father, who his father is? Um, we may have talked about it on one of the other podcasts. Um, did you say his father was a personal trainer or something he's, like that? He's the strength and conditioning coach for the Chicago White Sox. So he okay. came out of the Chicago prep ranks and he was actually speaking about his athleticism. He was actually a double recruit at TCU for baseball and football. And I think was a top 100 guy uh, in that recruiting class for football. So um, he is he is pretty dang athletic. I'm, I'm a big fan of Alec Thomas. And I think the fact that his father kind of has that background that gives me more hope that there could be a little bit more pop in that bat. Just, just, just based on the fact that maybe can, you know, 
a little more strength, a little more man strength, a little earlier than <laughs> other people. Tips for me, like <laughs> All right, now that I've hijacked the show again, Lance, back to you. No, Blaze Alexander, <laughs> last one here. We're going to touch on Blaze Alexander. Um, I know he was a guy who was buzzed about for a while um, as not being, as I believe, as late as he went in this draft, but uh, kind of in that same tier of now in the buzz-wise in terms of Alec Thomas, where I think some people are starting to kick him up a little bit. Um, does he stick on the left side in, in, of the infield, JP, and how much impact do you think is in the bat? I'm not sure if he sticks on the left. Um, he might be a second baseman for me. He's a, this is a really thin guy, but he's also very athletic. And, um, I was looking at his swing mechanics the other day. He, uh, he kind of does this. He, he slightly rocks back and forth, like before the pitch is coming. And it it looks like it's a kind of like timing slash momentum mechanism that he's, he's employing. Um, he keeps his weight back and, his uh, center of mass kind of stays back even as he's um, striding forward to make contact with the ball. And um, I, his, his hands also uh, slot pretty high, meaning uh, basically um, the slot position is when a guy's hands, um, it's like right before a guy starts to approach and attack the ball. Um, and when you look at a guy's hands during slot, you can get some idea for how long his swing is going to be and his bat path and things of that nature. So when I looked at Blaze Alexander, it looked like his hands were slotting high and the result was kind of a somewhat of a U-shaped bat path. And I think that's going to bode well for um, just hitting with loft and extra base hits. So um, those are a few things that I had noticed um, just from looking at Blaze and kind of breaking down his tape and footage. Interesting. Was there anybody else kind of in instructs that stood out to you that maybe people don't know about? Yeah, let's see. There's a few names that I could touch on. Um, actually, one guy I wanted to talk about was Julian Smith, um, but um, Josh Norris was at the same instructs game, and um, he wrote about him for Baseball America. This guy is, uh, just came out of nowhere Um has this kind of lo- uh, lanky, uh, high-waisted frame, but really easy delivery, very loose arm. And um, he was 93 to 95, and all the scouts behind us were chirping, saying, like, who the hell is this guy? Like, we don't know who he is. Um, but he was really impressive, just very easy velo from the left side. And he also flashed a plus curve in the uh, 76 to 79 range. And it had... Uh, like a one to seven shape. I use one to seven for lefties. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is a guy that just kind of came out of nowhere and was really impressive. Um, Someone else I wanted to touch on another Texas Rangers kid. Um, I think it's, I think his first name was Fernando. Yeah. Fernando Valdez. I'm just scrolling through my notes here. I mean, I, I just saw lots of hard contact from this kid. Um, trying to find my notes he's he was listed at third and second but i saw him play at first base um just lots of loud contacts short he has this very uh short toe tap for timing and um really uses his uses his lower half well and it's a fluid very fluid uh swing you can almost see the strength transferring from his legs into his hands um He's also able to stay back on soft stuff and go oppo. And I had like I had heard very little about this kid, but 
he was someone who I thought was just a standout in my looks um, in Instructs. The numbers I don't think were um, super sexy, but this is a guy that I, I like a lot, and he's uh, someone that I'd be targeting if I was in a dynasty league. Interesting. Yeah. Julian Smith, I have as a 15th mm-hmm. rounder from the 2018 draft. And Fernando Valdez, excuse me, looks like he's from the Dominican Republic, played last two summers in the Dominican Summer League this year out in Arizona in rookie ball. And yeah, the numbers don't back up Valdez, but I think the guys like that, honestly, are almost better to apply the eye test to. But then again, the sample on Valdez isn't that big either. It doesn't look like it's among the three years, it's not even more than 150 games or 150. Yeah, I mean, how much, uh, how much credence can you put into rookie league numbers? I mean, yeah. I think... I think in general, the the lower the level, the less you're going to value the numbers and the more you need to value your eyes and um, just scouts' opinions and what they're seeing at the field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I agree with you there. Uh, Ralph, any uh, any thoughts here? What, what, what do we got going on? We went through a lot. It was a good podcast. No, I think, yeah, I think we kind of did the uh, the speed run through like the, the entire Arizona Fall League slash like instructs and everything that JP has seen since he went out to the desert from being out in uh, Florida. We have plenty of content about uh, JP's looks in Florida. We have uh, a lot of articles up on the site. We have some podcasts, Scouts Have Eyes. That's him and Jason Woodow. Go check that podcast out as well. That's on our podcast feed. Uh, this is obviously the Razball podcast. Lance, anything you want to kind of say in closing here? I don't, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to cover? Just super, super quickly, JP, your schedule over the next couple of weeks, like what's something, you know, that you think you definitely want to hit, maybe a guy you really want to see or anything of that sort. Like what's on your mind right now going forward? Um, so next week, uh, the way the instruct schedule um, kind of worked out was the White Sox and the Royals are two of the teams that um, are closing up camp last. So I'm going to be seeing a bunch more Royals and a bunch more White Sox. Um Luis Mesa's uh, for the White Sox has kind of been making waves out here for um, their instructs. And he's a guy I want to see a couple more times if I can. Um, but yeah, I'll be catching more of those two teams and, you know, time permitting, catching some more AFL action. Um, but, you know, the way I kind of planned out my schedule was I prioritized instructs because uh, instructs wrap up um, next Friday, the 19th. And, I have less, you know, fewer, fewer opportunities to see those guys um, compared to the AFL guys. So, you know, AFL guys will be out here for a while and I'll get my chances to see them. So it kind of made more sense to try to see prioritize instructs guys and um, make those guys my um, go to guys to see at least for the next week or so. And then um, after instructs ends, my my attention will be fully shifted to AFL. I like nice. it, man. Fantastic talking with you as always, JP. Ralph, any closing thoughts? No, I'm uh, I'm just uh, very pleased that uh, I get to work with JP and uh, <laughs> get to hear all his good information and thoughts as he uh, takes us on this baseball odyssey from coast to coast. And he's, he's getting all these backfield looks on low-level players. So if you're in 30-team dynasties, uh, I'm going to be hitting up JP late in my rounds here. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. This was a fun pot. I, I really wanted to get someone on here. I think Ralph did, too, who could give us some firsthand looks at these uh, Absolutely. these guys. And it was great because we, we love watching the video and stuff, but it's really good to be like, you know, especially in some of these other guys, the lower level guys, to just shine some light on them. Give us something we don't know. And that's exactly what you did. So we appreciate it. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. As always, we'll be back 
as always, on a weekly basis, giving you more, probably reacting to more AFL stuff and hopefully pulling out some other people to give us some perspective of the stuff that me and Ralph can't get to in our various areas because it's getting cold and I don't like the cold. So uh, <laughs> stay warm. You can buy some jackets, everybody. Go to rotoware.com, buy some jackets. I don't know if they have jackets. They got shirts or something. <laughs> Otherwise, they're making one. Yeah, exactly. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks again. Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one Text the word grade to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text grade to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text grade to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text grade to 323232 now. Text grade to 323232. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232.